This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Well, I just got back from a red-eye flight and I wanted to answer some of your questions. Uh, but first, a few announcements before we get started here. First of all, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash coaching. We do career coaching, interview preparation, and just general uh, career coaching, not just for aviation careers. Uh, make sure, though, if you do sign up for coaching, we changed a couple things in the courseware so that uh, you actually will click over to our management software for our scheduling. Uh, in the past, I think some people have been getting confused. They haven't been hitting the confirm button. When they make an appointment, uh, they hit the next uh, button for the next lesson. So what we've done is taken away that portion that was embedded in our software. And so when you make an appointment, it'll take you to the separate website. Uh, just make sure that you get a confirmation email when you make your appointment for your coaching session. That actually tells you that you do have one. If you didn't receive a confirmation or you didn't get to the confirmation screen, that means you actually haven't made that appointment. That also goes for uh, our guests on the show, too. Uh, just had a couple people have made that mistake, and we realized uh, what had happened is on our course where it takes you through the all how to prepare for your coaching session, how to get ready for your other sessions, etc. Just remember, if you sign up for any of our courses, whether it's the coaching or all the other courses we have online, like the Pilot Jobs book and all the other stuff that we have there. By the way, that's uh, we have that new uh, $10 a month where you can actually access all those courses online, the ones we had before, and soon we'll be putting up a PDF uh, form of our scholarships guide. Again, that's $10 a month. But again, uh, if, you're, if you want to, you can just jump around to anywhere in the lesson plan. So if you've already done a lesson plan that tells you how to prepare for your first uh, coaching session, say, you can go back to that and actually click on it, redo the lesson, just like in all the other courses. If you're looking at the course on, uh, you know, I don't know, with uh, the one that has to do with a winter flying, say, and you want to go back to anti-ice or de-ice fluid and redo that actual section, you can just go back and redo that section, just like in the coaching session there. Anyway, also, the other thing that we have is a call for some co-hosts. Uh, interestingly, we have quite a few folks that are from around the world, as you know, from our listener email. Our Top countries in order of downloads are, of course, number one's the United States because that's where I'm based. Our number two country is Ireland. Number three is Canada, Brazil, Australia, and, of course, the U.K. From there on in, uh, it kind of levels out as far as number of listeners in the other countries. But those are the biggies right there, the top six, U.S., Ireland, Canada, Brazil, Australia, and U.K., of course, we're always looking for co-hosts, uh, either a temporary co-host uh, or somebody who's going to be permanent on the show. Actively looking for folks that are, again, in Ireland, Canada, Brazil, Australia, and the UK. Lately, we've been getting a lot of uh, requests from uh, Australia and the UK, and that would be wonderful. Anybody in the uh, aerospace careers, of course, our highest demand is uh, from listeners uh, that want people with airline experience, uh, but we're also looking for co-hosts with many different backgrounds. So please send me either a resume, your social media contact, or anything else you want to share. Feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. 
Also, if you know somebody uh, who has a podcast in one of the other countries, talks a little bit about aviation careers uh, or general or any aviation, really, send me a link to them. I'd love to talk to them and uh, or a link to their show. I'll reach out and see if they'd want to come on and talk a little bit about what we're doing here. I know I have some experience uh, internationally, but uh, I'm not enough to talk from their perspective, their meaning uh, the countries outside the United States. Uh, I do uh, obviously have quite a bit of experience here in the U.S. and flying in other countries, but it's nice to hear from somebody from that that separate country, and uh, and of course, if uh, if you know someone, send it in feedback at Aviation Careers Podcast. Anyway, so let's get on with this episode. It's going to be kind of a short episode. You know why? Because I just got in from a red eye, and uh, and there's been a bunch of storms lately in the Northeast that's really putting a hamper on on our operations. Uh, the red eyes that I uh, the one I did yesterday. Oh gosh, I should say it's today. I landed it. It's one thirty my time. I'm here and I landed at about uh, 4 a.m. I uh, did what's called an island turn. I uh, went out to the Caribbean, uh, went to the east side, excuse me, the west side of Puerto Rico and came back, uh, a place called Aguadilla or Barankin. And it was a, a fun flight, enjoyed it, uh, had a great captain, that type of thing. But uh, the red eyes can be a little bit taxing, and I'll tell you why. I know some people ask about this, so I just wanted to put a little color to it. Is for instance, I finished at four o'clock this morning, got home about six thirty ish, or got to bed about six thirty in the morning, and got about four or five hours of sleep. And now I'm up, I'm doing this, doing my other chores around the house, and then moving on, I have to go to bed early in a few hours from now, so that I can get up at one o'clock in the morning for my next flight, which I have to be there at four in the morning the following day. And the reason I mention this is it's something to prepare for when you're thinking about a career as an airline pilot, because especially as you get into bigger planes, uh, you start flying on these really odd shifts and odd schedules where one day you'll be doing a red eye finishing at, for instance, like me at four in the morning. And the next day I start at four in the morning. So you're switching between those two. And yeah, I know a lot of people have done swing shifts in other careers. Uh, the tough thing about this job is that a lot of times when you're doing some of those flights, for instance, last night, uh, I was over the Atlantic a little bit in a portion that was uh, really dark and uh, there was a lot of clouds in that area. And boy, I tell you, that's that's can be tough trying to stay awake during that period. Uh, so you do a lot. There's a lot of little tools, a lot of things you can do to try to stay awake. Uh, actually, if you want, we could do a whole episode on, on just that, how to stay awake during a red eye. Uh, just to talk a little bit about that. Uh, so anyway, on with the show. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, uh, some of the questions. But uh, Oh, and by the way, we're about at October as far as the uh, questions coming in. So if, uh, we're trying to catch up. We're doing this once a week, as I said, and we're going to try to do more. I could do a daily. I don't know if I can handle a daily uh, just because of all the questions that come in. So let's get started here. Uh, first question comes in from a 50-year-old German citizen, and uh, he has the FAA commercial pilot and IFR rating, a first-class medical in 270 hours, and uh, wants to start in an aviation career. Also has an EASA private pilot license, and uh, depending on the uh, situation, might want to start with the EASA ATP uh, license theory course. Uh, he was thinking of starting as a bush pilot and proceed to a domestic U.S. airline. Uh, sent uh, his curriculum V and also a, a lot of other information about himself. Uh, he said that he enjoys listening to the podcast, uh, but it was also looking at uh, you know different locations through Africa, Asia, and the U.S. Uh, to see if uh, if he'll get a reply. Currently, hasn't been getting many replies, and 
uh, was wondering if he a little too far out there for his uh, for his experience. Well, I tell you what, if, with that level, the t- 270, uh, it's a little bit low, but people will talk to you. Uh, just kind of, and I know that you were looking at the possibility of doing some coaching. One of the things that we look at is the format of your cover letter and also uh, the format of your resume and kind of your background and figure out how to put a story together. Again, you can look at all that stuff that's online as far as a pilot jobs book and your resume and cover letter. Uh, part of it for free. Of course, the first lessons on everything is free. And then, of course, sign up for uh, $10 a month or the coaching, which is only $75 an hour. Um, and with that said, there's there's a, it's all you have to make yourself unique to whoever you're looking at and I kind of want to address that you know if, uh, wondering if, if his application is a little too ridiculous or too far off in design etc there's so many good uh, free uh, stuff out there as far as uh, looking at resumes and design work etc there is a specific format though that most people want to see with a pilot resume uh, I want to see that you actually you know have the, the minimum standards for the job and also, I want to see that uh, you you uh, have that background in aviation, and also have a background as a as an individual can pass the the background check, and also as uh, somebody I want to you know fly with you know, for for a few hours. So we're looking at all those different things. But thanks for the question. Uh, uh, again, again on an individual basis, we can look at that. But also, uh, I encourage you to take a look at some of the courses we have online, and you'll see that in the courseware there. You, uh, so. Um, Again, thanks for that question. And moving on to the next one here says, uh, hi, Carl, your podcast has honestly been the most inspiring part of my progress towards achieving my dream as an airline pilot. I live in British Columbia, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and I'm 24 years old and in the process of applying for the airline and flight operations commercial pilot program at a school. My first question is about flying as an airline pilot in Canada in comparison to being a pilot in the United States of America. Uh, that is the only career question. Well, interestingly, uh, there, there's not much difference flying anywhere, quote-unquote, as a pilot in an airplane. Operationally, there's differences in every country as far as flying approaches, uh, qualifications you need for that country, that type of thing. So there's there's a lot of different things that you have to look at operationally. And what's interesting is that uh, the career itself is very, very similar uh, no matter where you go. So you, you kind of look at uh, careers overseas and the, uh, as far as interview process, et cetera. Yeah, those things are, are somewhat different uh, as far as rest requirements, et cetera. But the job itself is is pretty much the same. Uh, with that said, everybody, every airline, even within the U.S., where I am, uh, things are different because of the different work roles, et cetera, uh, at those different airlines. Something to look at, you know, in general when you're looking at a career is, is look at those different requirements everywhere. Uh, also, uh, she continues, uh, while listening to Stuck Mike, I remember a story about Class C airspace uh, and airspeed restrictions at 200 knots. And uh, I won't go into the whole question here, but I just thought of something. And I thought this would be kind of cool. We were talking about this a little bit. I was thinking of maybe starting like a technical interview question of the week, maybe just one. Uh, we'll focus it on obviously some airline pilot uh, career questions, but maybe some other questions and some HR questions, that type of thing. And then I'm thinking of, of I'll do a question maybe the next week. I'll answer that question. Or if you want, I could actually answer the question here. Uh, so let, let's just get started one anyway with that anyway. I think it'd be kind of cool. Uh, and, and I know a lot of people are asking, this. And this is actually interesting she brought this up because this is a question I would say over half the people I talk to get wrong. 
And uh, so, so let's go with the question. I'm going to get a link. There's a link in the show notes to the answer to the question. Uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to do this if I should answer the question. I loved your feedback, by the way, on this one. Uh, so here's the question. What are the airspeed limitations in Class C, Class Charlie airspace? Again, what are the airspeed limitations in Class Charlie airspace? Of course, we're coming from a U.S. perspective. Uh, also, uh, there are some differences in other countries. Uh, so th- it'd be a, it's an interesting one, an interesting question, because most people get it wrong. So be careful how you answer it. Uh, sometimes, oh, I don't know if I should do this as a hint. Sometimes people use too short of an answer. Is that too much of a good hint there? Uh, so what you want to do is don't just say one speed or something like that. Do a little research. I did do an article on expertaviator.com a few years back as far as a practical guide to operating class Charlie airspace. It really lays out exactly what I'm talking about. So try to answer that question before you go there. Don't peek. Nope, don't peek. Stop. I saw you. And uh, and go go check it out and uh, answer that question. Uh, also, another uh, interesting difference as far as uh, a little notes as far as flying in Canada. You know, you've heard me talk about this as a, a U.S. citizen. If you have a DUI, that's a big deal. Actually flying in Canada, there's a, there's ways around that. And we've kind of talked about that in the past as far as getting your uh, residency, et cetera. So uh, they're very, uh, very strict as far as those rules are concerned. Um, but anyway, uh, she continues once again. I absolutely love what you do. It has helped me so much. I very much appreciate it if you had someone on your show that had detailed insight on the Canadian airline industry. And uh, yes, we will definitely uh, try. We're trying to get some people in from other uh, viewpoints from other countries. And uh, I do get to talk to some people, but I want to get them on the show. I think that's really important uh, to not hear from my mouth, but to actually hear from those people, especially at some of the shows that I get to go to. Thanks again. Wonderful question. Uh, I really appreciate that. And I, I really appreciate you listening. Um, anyway, on to the next question it says, uh, Hey, love your podcast. Have a question. I have finally started to pursue my dream of becoming an airline pilot. I'm currently living in Australia and have an ab initio program for many airlines or private flight schools. What would you recommend? The best course of action for speed and also what process would most likely lead to a job with a major in the future? Thanks for all you do. If you were 26, what would you do? If I was 26, I would get as many hours as quickly as possible. Uh, ab initio programs come in many different formats. Some are associated with airlines. Some have programs with a flow to an airline, that type of thing. So this is kind of interesting because we uh, we look at these ab initio programs that are uh, in their private uh, flight schools, meaning uh, local programs that are smaller that actually call it an ab initio type of program. They they may or may not be. From the beginning, ab initio, that's what it means. And, and it takes you from soup to nuts to all your ratings. The great thing about uh, some people call zero to hero programs, whatever you want to say, uh, it gets you done really fast. And then you're moving on. You're making money. So my advice is get your ratings as quickly as you can. But while doing that, make sure that you get quality instruction because you're going to have to use these skills that you're developing in the beginning for the rest of your career. So what does that mean? Quickly, it doesn't mean you're missing out on anything in your training. Quickly means that I want you to actually make sure there's a scheduling so that you get an airplane, you get an instructor, you're able to actually go and get complete lessons. This is a challenge sometimes. Uh, Some people want to do five lessons a week and 
that planes say has a maintenance issue three days of the week. So you're only flying twice a week. So that's what I mean by quickly. Uh, I don't mean skipping over anything. Uh, just an expeditious manner uh, and efficient manner. So make sure you do that. Also make sure you, you see that these people are getting quality instruction. Uh, how many failures do they have? That type of thing. We've talked about picking a flight school and, and the person you want to go towards as far as as being a flight school for you. And that's very specific. I mean, just because it's good for me doesn't mean it's good for you. So make sure it's it's the one that's perfect and, and really will meet your needs as far as time constraints and also look at money. If you live next to an airport like I do that has a million and one different flight schools and within an hour drive I can go and get every rating I could imagine, uh, then that's great. Stay at home, keep your job, pay for those things. If you're in the middle of nowhere, you need to go away to go to school, then you have a little planning to do, both financially with your family and also hunting for a flight school the neat thing about having a lot of schools in an area say in a large uh, metropolitan area is that if one school doesn't work out there's five other ones out there so make sure you do your research and go with the one that that you think is best and of course we we can discuss that at at some point if you want to talk about which school is the best for you obviously we do a lot of that with uh, our other coaching students by the way another cool thing as an aside it's been a really lot of fun now because we've been doing this for a few years now maybe about seven or so is a lot of uh, folks who've actually come for coaching and you know one of them a co-host have gone on to the majors already and that is so exciting is uh, when we have folks that we get ready to move into the career and help them through and then go through the interview process and now they're actually flying a large jet around the country and around the world that is absolutely exciting so if they can do it you can do it and uh, I know you can you definitely can One more question, and then we'll end here today because I have to go get some sleep to get ready for my next flight at 1 in the morning or my wake-up at 1 for my 4 o'clock show. Uh, Anyway, here goes. Uh, I've been listening to your podcast for quite some time during my semi-career change from military helicopter pilot to narrow-body airline pilot. It has been very informative and helpful along the way. Your topics seem to always come just at the right time when I'm wondering about something. Now that I'm flying this new environment with a, a published roster, I have a particular question for you. When you take planned annual leave during a month, let's say for two weeks, how does this affect your rate of flying during the other two weeks of the month? I know there could be a, quite a bit of variables, but in general, say a pilot's commitment to the company is agreed to be 75 hours per month, beyond which extra flying pay would come into play. Would it be fair for the company to fly you 60 hours in the remaining two weeks? Is it still below the 75 hours of the month? Does it happen in the United States that you know of, or is it just something we have to deal with here in Africa? Is there some measure in place to credit a pilot with hours for leave taken? And if so, how is it enforced? So there's many different things that that come into play here. And it's not just uh, country-specific, because I talked to all my friends that fly overseas, uh, and actually my buddy in Africa, we were discussing this. There's... Okay, so when, when you have, say, a vacation, normally what happens is this. Say you have a 75-hour uh, guarantee, they call it, and you take a week vacation or two weeks vacation, and say you, uh, every month, whatever week you take as a vacation, you get, say, 35 hours. That's what that's considered for your vacation. You get paid 35 hours. What uh, most airlines will do is subtract that from your hours for the month. So uh, so again, if you have that 35 hours off of there, so you, you don't actually owe them much more than say, you know, the hours that are left on for the month. So so that'd be 40. So you said 75, let's go with yours, okay? 75 hours, you take away the 35, you get 40 hours left for the month. That's actually what you'd be on the hook for as far as flying. But 
Ooh, here's here's a tricky one. Forty uh, hours of credit time is what most airlines do. So, for instance, uh, in different places in the world, different places in the country, flying time actually doesn't have to be just flying time. It can be credit time. In other words, deadhead that type of thing. If the airline decided they wanted to deadhead you for seventy five hours a month, they can do that. I've done it. I've done well. I've done thirty hours in a month is the most I think I've done as far as deadhead time. So that counts towards that. So say in your instance, you got 35 hours uh, that you accrued for your vacation time. You took it for that month and now you owe 40 hours and then they deadhead you for say 30 hours. Now you're really only flying for 10. That's different than some other places where they really, uh, they want you to, to, you know, get some flying in obviously, but they also realize you have to get paid vacation. It's part of a formula all airlines use to determine what their liability is. Remember, that's a liability, having vacation time, or in some cases what they call paid time off, or uh, you know different weeks of vacation, etc. It all depends, and it is a liability to the company. But uh, with that liability, it's just like having a salary, etc. It's very important uh, to you and to the company to have some time off to get some rest. So no, you don't see that. Uh, most anywhere uh, where you have to repay that the extra hours for those hours you took off. Uh, there's also some interesting things as far as leave of absences and that type of thing we won't get into, but we're just talking strictly vacation, paid vacation. Big difference. Uh, great question, and we could talk, actually, obviously on this question, we could talk for hours, and again, just go back to, to what it is your company requires, that type of thing. Well, gosh, that's it for the questions. I uh, really appreciate uh, you folks listening and being patient with us. I know we're in right now in October of last year, as far as questions coming in, we've shuffled some questions around, but remember the question I asked the technical interview question, what are the airspeed limitations in class Charlie airspace? Don't cheat. The, the answer to that question is actually in the show notes for episode 171. Well, gosh, you know, I really appreciate your listening. And if you ever need help, of course, you can go to our coaching page, page and also send questions into us, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. We have some really cool episodes coming up with some folks that are doing some really neat things in the instructional world, also with mechanics, that type of thing. So keep listening. And of course, do me a favor. If you're looking at moving forward in your career, it starts with you. It starts with taking one step today to move forward in your career. That's all it is. Just think, and that step can be a small one. It could be just listening to things like this, this podcast. There's lots of other cool podcasts out there. There's lots of books on aviation careers. If you want to learn about, say, interviewing, pick up a book on it, watch some videos. Of course, there's YouTube and those kind of things. I'd say, you know, sometimes it's best to stay away some, from some of those forms that can be very negative, but get out there, get informed. Do something, do something now, do something today to move forward in your career and design your life in the aerospace and aviation field. We'll talk to you next episode and safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved. 